Thanks to ExpressVPN for supporting the Apple Bits XL. You probably don't think that much about internet privacy on your own home network. Well, ExpressVPN will secure your privacy and protect your information. Visit expressvpn.com slash applebits and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brant on here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out. This is episode 130. So that's just a little under, under two years of podcasts going strong. Thank you so much for everyone for listening and supporting and being a part of this. Look, this show is your show. We cover all the latest news and tech. Obviously, it is centered around Apple, but there's stuff that happens on the outside that does affect them. So we're going to get into a lot of stuff this week. We've got iPhone 12 stuff, about three or four stories around there. We've got some new things in the iOS 14 beta, and then a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes as well. So we're going to jump into that. But before we do that, we've got to get you all involved. This show is yours. So how do you be a part of it? How do you participate? All you got to do is just call in, use a voice memo recording app on your phone, on your computer. It doesn't matter what platform you're on. Send it out to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. I will listen to them. If they are good enough, most of them are. I will use them. I like you to try to keep it around a minute, minute and a half tops. But again, we got, what, five calls this week. We had others, but, you know, I got I to gotta weed through it. So thank you again. Just be a part of it. Participate. It just makes it so much fun. And you can also send emails if you don't want to call in. I do read emails, applebitsshow at gmail.com. Also, this show is supported by you, patreon.com slash Brian Tong. It is completely independent. I am so thankful for your support. Starting at $2 per month, $5, $10, $25, the Platinum Apple $100 level. All you got to do is subscribe there. Benefits of supporting me, you get early access to content. There are exclusive rewards that I still have to send out to some of y'all. I didn't forget. And then also, look, a completely ad-free version of the show. Are you for real? You don't hear any ads whatsoever. So jump on patreon.com slash Brian Tong. Thank you so much. All right, let's just get into it and talk about what's happening. A lot of things around the iPhone 12. And the biggest thing is we're still not sure when exactly the keynote is going to happen. There's been dates thrown all over the place. But the most recent one just put out by iHack2Pro, who's leaked uh, dates before in the past, claims that Apple's special event, the next one, Will happen September the 8th. It'll cover iPhones, Apple Watch, AirPower. Remember, there's the rumblings of Apple working on a new AirPower wireless charging mat using, a, I believe, what's it, an A10 processor in there to manage the coils and the heat. Kind of a, a redo of the product that never saw the light of day. Well, they're still working on it. Maybe we see it then. Also, iPad. So that would be September 8th, according to this tweet by iHack2Pro. Then late October, October 27th, we'll see iPad Pro, Apple Silicon Max. We're talking MacBook Pro, MacBook, and then maybe, maybe, I don't know if we're going to see it anymore, a hint at Apple Glass. So those are the two dates right now that are being thrown around. Again, this is not official. September 8th, which feels still a little early. I mean, I know Apple can announce it, but fine. September 8th does line up with what they've done in the past, typically around the first week, week and a half of the month and then October 27th for that kind of secondary event. Now, we know that 
We've heard about delays at the factory level. There's no way you can avoid delays. Hello, coronavirus. That's obviously still affecting plenty plenty parts in the world, specifically the U.S. But what we have here is a new report from Mako Takara, the Japanese blog site, that cites their sources in the Chinese supply chain that says that iPhones will actually start launching in late October due to the coronavirus delays. In fact, what they're claiming is that Apple's LTE phone, iPhone 12 models, right? These are the kind of the more, I don't want to say entry level, but a little more budget friendly, not as friendly as the iPhone SE. Apple's LTE iPhone 12 models will be released in October, while 5G models will follow in November. That's a whole lot later. That's why hearing an, a keynote event at September 8th seems a little early to me. But again, it's still speculation. This report says that we're expecting to see the actual phones launch in October and November. So that's a big difference. We know that there's four iPhone variants in the 2020 pipeline. We have the iPhone 12 5.4 inch, kind of the lower cost one, the 6.1 inch larger iPhone 12 max and then the higher end 6.1 inch iphone 12 pro and 6.7 inch iphone 12 pro max you got that we we pretty much know all these things now so that's what we're expecting maybe september 8th we will find out also new iphone 12 pro news about the battery now website my smart price had kind of unearthed certifications for apple batteries And I can't exactly, we don't know how the OS is going to optimize it, how they're going to really take advantage of this, but there were four battery capacities for those four iPhones. iPhone 12 would get assumed a 2,227 milliampere hour battery. It goes up from there. At one point in time, they thought the iPhone 12 Max and iPhone 12 Pro, the two 6.1 inch models, would share the same battery, but what they're saying now is that new certification of a new battery has led them to believe that the iPhone 12 Pro will get a slightly larger battery at 2,815 milliampere hours versus 2,775. That is a difference of 40, and quite honestly, if you really translated that to a phone, that might be a five-minute difference. So I don't think there's anything really here to get excited or crazy about we know that we're expecting that our next gen a14 chip and then i'm i'm also really excited to see okay how does that a14 translate to the potential max is it going to be an a14x are they going to call it something totally different we have all four devices again expected october and november oled displays 5g support on the high end new iPhone 4-like metal frame, up to 6 gigs of RAM, and then the triple lens rear camera with the time-of-flight sensor that would look like kind of that fourth circle on the back. So we have that. I think we all are pretty much in agreement that's what's going to happen. But let's, you know, what is what is the rumor mill if you can't talk about <laughs> the iPhone in 2022 when the iPhone this year hasn't even been announced? Well, Apple analyst Ming-Chi Kuo released a new report recently detailing which lens suppliers will be providing parts for Apple in the upcoming years. Their new suppliers are said to be from Sunny Optical and Semco. So these are, one is a Korean supplier, which is Semco. The other is the best Chinese lens supplier, 
They would presumably enter the supply chain in the second half of 2020 and then 2021. Now, why is this important? What type of lens could they be working on that could change the game for the iPhone? Have you all heard about the Periscope telephoto lens? Um, The best way to describe this is if you've used a Periscope, you know, it's kind of like a long tube and then there's a mirror that reflects at one end. So you can kind of like a submarine, you can see above you because of this mirror reflecting. Well, this Periscope lens would be the lens used for these new, I'm so sorry, 2022 iPhones. Now, here's the thing. If you've been paying attention to the overall market and what's going on outside of the Apple iPhone, in 2019, Huawei's P30 Pro had a periscope lens and it allowed it to have a true 5X optical zoom. And the reason why is because you can lay this longer lens horizontally flat with the phone and it gives it more, the lens itself is longer right? So you have all that extra room to go to give you that better optical zoom. And then the mirror reflects the image down into it. Right now, we got we got a 2x optical on the iPhone. Now, the Samsung Galaxy S20 Ultra has a 5x true optical periscope lens in it right now for 2020. The Huawei P40 Pro has a 10x optical. And then We're expecting to see a similar periscope optical lens for the Galaxy S20 Note. Apple is looking to get a 2022 for a periscope lens. So that means, what, for the next two or three years, we're going to be stuck with a roughly 2x, 3x optical zoom. And I heard, I did talk about this on my recent video this week, and people said to me, I don't even use the zoom that much. And I'm going to tell you right now, the reason why you don't use the zoom that much is A, 2X is better, but it's not that much of a difference. So you have, when you have a 5X optical and it stays crystal clear sharp, I'm going to tell you, you're going to use that lens a whole lot more. You might not think you use it right now, but when I was playing with the Galaxy S20 Ultra and I know they tout something like a 100X zoom, well, that's digital and optical combined. I stick with just the optical it makes a difference. You use your phone camera differently and it it's like, it kind of unlocks this world. So I'm gonna tell you right now, although you might think you are in the camp of I don't need a better optical zoom on my phone, I'm gonna tell you right now, you always want a better optical zoom on your phone and it's gonna pay huge dividends just um, in 2022. That that makes me sad. We We know this is, this is the way. This is the Apple way. But stuff like that hurts. I mean, we got widgets on our phone in like 10 plus years after Android did it. So hey, uh, maybe getting a Periscope lens two to three years later, that's a lot faster. So maybe we shouldn't complain. So it, it when I think about it though, it does make it does make me sad. I mean, I don't know about you, but we we should probably consider this a sad apple. Man, part of my soul just left me when I really thought about it. 2022, y'all. Now also, if you're looking for AirPods Pro, everyone has been, hey, when are they going to release the next ones? When are they going to release the next regular AirPods? Well, another report from Digitimes and Ming-Chi Kuo claims that 
The second generation AirPods Pro are expected to launch in the second half of 2021. So if you're hoping that maybe you'd see something this year, it's just not gonna happen. And the thing about that is, look at what Apple announced at WWDC. They basically gave us, they breathed new life into the AirPods for the automatic handoff switching. But the AirPods Pro not only get the handoff switching between your devices, which is an absolute killer ecosystem play, whenever, right, maybe you're using your iPad, your phone rings, it switches to your phone audio, then you go to your Mac and you, you know, you do something else there. That's super cool. But spatial audio to give it this kind of more robust, I don't want to say Dolby Atmos in your earbuds, but similar to a more surround sound experience purely from a firmware upgrade, you're kind of giving us two new major features that if you're not happy about that, I mean, that's got to hold you over at least till the next generation. I love what they did with it because as an AirPods Pro owner, I want to see improvements. We what we pay somewhere around 250 bucks for these things. I just got to say though, I don't know about you all, but as time has gone on and I've started using the AirPods Pro specifically when talking, one side gets loose in my ear and our friend of the show, guest of the show, Gil Cabrera, mentioned this to me kind of like in week one after using it. And I'm like, no, it's never happened to me. And I started deliberately trying to use it on longer interviews that I've done. And it gets loose. The left side of my ear gets loose and I have to keep on popping it back in. I don't know if that's the same for you now. I'm really curious because this is a thing. It, it there, There's more than just me and Gil saying it. Um, Craig Federighi in his interview with MKBHD had to adjust his ear multiple times, his AirPods. And so there's something to that. Anyways, AirPods Pro 2021 will um, be the guess for the next release or next gen version. And then also the third generation of the regular AirPods. That's also looking for a planned rollout in the first half of 2021. So if you're someone who's an AirPods user or is ready to upgrade, maybe you might... I don't know if holding off is a good thing. If you have, if you're ready to do it, I think it might be a good time. And also, just wait for the fall announcements because that's when you know if Apple doesn't do anything around AirPods and AirPods Pro, then you know you've got a good four, five, six months until they do the next upgrade. And that's a pretty that's a pretty good runway for me, if you ask me. Also, the new iOS 14 Beta 3 was just released this week. Apple, there's no major new features, but there's kind of a, a few little tweaks here and there. One tweak worth mentioning, they've completely changed the new music icon to red. They've really, it's it used to be that kind of white square with the rainbow, like pink, blue, um, purple notes icon. Well, now the actual icon is just red and then the notes are white inside the app. They've changed kind of a lot of the red text to be more black text. Um, there's a new widget the music app widget is completely red as well. So they're really leaning into this whole red thing. Um, There's a new world clock widget that now gives you the option to do four time zones on that widget. So I actually really like that. Um, There's kind of some new pop-ups when you use the app library or it tells you actually how to use the refresh widgets because they didn't do that before and how to edit your home screens. The screen time widget, which originally, and these are betas, just showed like, you know, the breakdown of the style of apps, you actually now have a list of the six most used apps below that graph, which is kind of useful as well. Um, there's a new zoom display zoom view for different sized iPhones. If you have something like the 5.8 inch iPhone, you can increase the size of the icons 
uh, and even kind of the layout of messages just to make things a little bigger to fill out properly. Um, you have some new features for screenshot editing, but again, these are all kind of subtle things. Oh, I should not forget that there's a new, a second Memoji mask in the third beta, the developer beta of iOS 14. These are not available for the public beta. The public beta just recently got the second, um, the second release, but uh, from my knowledge, these are not in the public beta, only in the developer beta, which is the third release for Apple developers or people that are part of the developer program. If you also want to talk about maybe what's going on software-wise, last month, Apple talked about, and we talked about it here, and I was like really happy about it, how the Find My app, there's a new, what they call like a the Find My network accessory program, and this was really made to allow third-party products to work with Apple's own Find My app. And I thought this was great because, look, let's be real, Apple is going to really cannibalize and suck up a large bit of those tile users my nephew, Jaron, he actually gave me a tile maybe about a month ago and I set it up and I love it. And thank goodness I haven't had to really use it because I haven't lost my keys, but I do love how the tile itself, and I didn't know this until you actually use it, you can find your keys from your phone, but if you double click on the tile, it'll also find your phone for you. It'll Your phone itself will make a sound. So it kind of works both ways, really cool. So it, it kind of made me sad that Apple will be taking a lot of market share from these people. So when there was the announcement that they in- introduced this accessory program, I was like, hey, now F- Find My will work completely um, just seamlessly with Apple AirTags, maybe the tracker tags. And I don't know if there's any other major companies that you guys are using for these tagging things, but look, these Bluetooth trackers, there's ways so that they won't be completely eliminated. But then in a new report by the Washington Post, There's actually specific aspects to the program that weren't detailed before, right? Because when you hear it on the surface, you think, oh, it's great. And the rules for third-party companies to use the Find My app are a lot stricter than you would think. So according to developers who got access to this 50-page document from Apple, users who use Apple's app to locate their device, so let's say you have a tile and it's working with Apple's app, they will be barred from using the third-party service simultaneously, meaning you can't use the Tile app and the Find My app at the same time to share that data. One is going to prioritize the other. So then it kind of makes all those features that Tile built into their app kind of useless. So you'll be able to link a Tile tracker to the Find My app. You can use Apple's app to locate, like say, a lost wallet but you would be prevented from using Tile's own app to do the same. And that's because Apple's restriction is to always allow location access specific to there. Um, Another issue that developers are talking about here is that there's limited access to the iPhone's Bluetooth antenna and other Apple hardware. So the Find My app uses all the hardware available when it needs to. What it does is for third party, it limits it. So you can only use the Bluetooth antenna within certain thresholds. And then if you want develop, if developers want to kind of get the full access to it, Apple cuts off their access. It prevents the software from kind of ultimately optimizing all the Bluetooth antenna that they can. So Apple doesn't even inform developers what the specific threshold is. So there's kind of like these things that make it, oh, they're playing nice all of a sudden. Mm. They're kind of plain nice, but not that nice. We'll have to see how this evolves because it's still early, but 
they sent out the document to developers and that's what it is. Also, code in macOS, big sir, suggests that face ID could be coming to Max. Now, we've talked about this for a while. We've seen kind of the renders um, of what could be the new iMac with a really minimal bezel, almost taking cues from the Apple XDR Pro display. Um, Face ID lets you unlock it with a facial scan on your phone. Um, So it doesn't happen on the MacBook Pros yet, but code found suggests that Face ID could be coming to the Macs in the future. There's a true depth camera system and Face ID for that Mac would be the next logical step. There's plenty of references in there. I think that it's only a matter of time. I mean, they've got such a big bezel on there. They can do it on the iPad Pro. You can do it on the new iMac. Now, there's no word on when the Macs might get Face ID support, which Macs will get it, but there are those breadcrumbs in the Mac OS Big Sur beta. I didn't yell it twice. And so I think we should expect to see that coming. All right. Hey, let's give a big thanks again to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this show because if you're stuck at home these days, you probably don't think that much about your internet privacy on your own home network. You fire up your incognito mode on your browser and then no one can see what you're doing, right? Eh -eh, Wrong. Even in incognito mode, your online activity can still be traced even if you clear your browsing history. Your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited. That's why even when I'm at home, I don't go online without using ExpressVPN. Now, ExpressVPN, make sure your internet service provider can't see what sites you visit. Instead, your internet connection is rerouted through ExpressVPN secure servers. Each ExpressVPN server has an IP address that's shared among thousands of users. That means everything you do is anonymized and can't be traced back to you. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your data with the best in-class encryption, so your information is always protected. Use the internet with confidence from your computer, tablet, or smartphone because ExpressVPN has you covered on every device. Simply just tap one button and you're protected. It's the fastest, most trusted VPN on the market. It's rated numero uno by Wired, The Verge, and more. So I installed the app on all my mobile devices. I have it on my phone and my iPad, and it's just really easy. Once you set it up, you just basically launch the app, hit one button to connect, and you are protected. It doesn't interfere with what I've always done, and there is really a peace of mind to it as well. So protect your online activity today with the VPN that I trust to secure my privacy. Visit my special link at expressvpn.com slash applebits, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash applebits. One more time, expressvpn.com slash applebits to learn more. All right, let's get back to the stories going on and... The big one here, kind of the bigger overall tech one, is that the antitrust hearing, it involved um, Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, and other big tech CEOs. It's been postponed. This hearing involved not only Cook, but Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos, Alphabet Google CEO Sundar Pichai, and Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg. This was supposed to happen next Monday, but according to sources at CNBC, said that it would conflict with the memorial service for the late, great, legendary congressman and civil rights leader john lewis so obviously i mean this man is legend and a person of his stature and what he's done to contribute to civil rights here in the united states deserves all the attention that it should be getting in his passing but this hearing was meant to be a culmination of more than a year-long investigation into these four tech giants 
After the hearing, lawmakers plan to publish a report based on their findings, and then they were going to propose legislation to bring antitrust laws up to date with issues dealing to these digital marketplaces. Now, Apple, they kind of preemptively, I don't know, yeah, fine, to kind of change the narrative or at least give people something to chew on. Apple released their own report that was based on a new study about their practices uh, in the Apple Store, about how Apple's App Store commission rate is similar to many of those other app stores in these digital content marketplaces because you know they're looking at what it, what is Apple doing to be anti-competitive and is their fee and the percentage, which is 30% for app developers, anti-competitive? And what Apple is saying is like, hey, uh, we looked at the landscape. Google's doing 30%. Amazon's app store is doing 30%. Samsung's Galaxy store is doing 30%. Microsoft's store is doing 30%. We're doing 30%. Now it does change um, specific to subscription services where typically after a year, the cut that they take is somewhere anywhere from 15%. Um, Amazon's app store is 20% for video streaming subscriptions versus something like Amazon, um, what else? Like the music service, right? They're, they have the the book service. They're all, little, they're all little different depending on that. They also kind of wanted to open it up to not just Google, Amazon, Microsoft, but what about video games? They also put out the report in numbers that Xbox takes 30%, PlayStation takes 30%, Nintendo does 30%, Steam does 30%, Epic Games, the home of Fortnite, they're one of the few that charges 12%. Um, They have actually outright stated that they believe the lower commission can help fuel developer innovation and increase competition. That is true because although some people might say, hey, 30% is not as bad as retail. I mean, retail, I'll tell you right now, when I used to work for Spec Products, an Apple case company, if I remember right, I feel like Apple basically, the margin that they took, it wasn't 30% on retail. It was closer to like 60, maybe 70% of, yeah. Like to get your product on those shelves, it was a whole lot more than 30%. So look, I'm not saying Apple is uh, innocent here. I think there are, Absolutely practices in building your own ecosystem that prevent competition, but every company has the right to build their own ecosystem and every company has started to build ecosystems similar to how Apple does. They've been following kind of the blueprint because right, an ecosystem isn't outright saying, oh, you don't have choice, but it's saying you benefit if you stay in our ecosystem. It's a little different versus deliberately taking steps to block people out. Now, again, someone might say on the flip side, hey, 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 Brian, uh, Apple kind of makes it hard for you to leave the ecosystem. Yes, but if you want to, you still can. You just will lose something like AirDrop. And I can't live without AirDrop. So the hearings have been postponed for now. We'll see when they come back, but this story is far from over. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. There are antitrust investigations that Apple's facing in both the US and the EU. And it's not just Apple, it's other tech companies. So how will these rules be defined and changed differently? I think it'd be a good time to have our legal expert, Gil Cabrera, come on when that stuff goes down. Also related to Apple. Now, remember, there's a lot of kind of buzz, and I'm ex- I'm genuinely excited about the Apple Silicon that's going to be going into their Macs because 
We don't know exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be a little painful. It's not going to be easy right out of the gates, but I think it's going to be really beneficial in the long run. And maybe this is why Intel delays their seven nanometer chips until late 2022 or early 2023. So this is during their second quarter earnings announcement. They made the official announcement that they've been de- they're delaying it by six months, which pushes their release date out to early 2023. The thing is that this is now delaying their seven nanometer process chips to be available 12 months behind their internal target. And then you think about this, right? They're still in development there. Intel is planning to still launch new 10 nanometer based Tiger Lake chips in the future. They have Ice Lake coming out. Um, there's a new client CPUs codenamed Alder Lake in the second half of 2021, which will be their first 10 nanometer based desktop CPU. But we've seen the struggles where Intel has had problems with yield, getting those out, chip delays, and now competition AMD has really in many ways surpassed Intel, at least from a performance standpoint. And you have Apple here, Apple developing their own ARM chip that is outperforming Intel chips that doesn't have to deal with delays, that doesn't have to say, oh, wait, our product roadmap plans and the way we design these computers were in anticipation for this chip design. But now you're telling us we won't even be able to pop in seven nanometer processors for until 2022, 2023. And we're going to go with, and Apple's like, let's go ARM. This is this is exactly one of the reasons why Apple is is doing their own thing. Controlling everything. They they can keep everything on schedule, on point, and they know exactly when their things are going to be ready. They don't have to rely on Intel. And it is another black eye for Intel because again, long term, I think Intel's going to be a very different company. They still have chips in other products, but you after these two years where Intel will be supporting Macs. But after that two-year plus three-year, let's say roughly three-year transition, when Apple no longer really needs them and they've kind of perfected and tightened up this, and okay, maybe they won't, but the bets are that they will, Intel's going to look a whole lot different. Also, Corning is unveiling a new scratch-resistant Gorilla Glass called Gorilla Glass Victus. This could be used in future iPhones. Apple never officially says that they use Gorilla Glass, but they do. Corning announced and unveiled their newest product this week. It's more scratch resistant than previous versions of Gorilla Glass and also manufacturers can use it for their devices. They will see significant gains in drop and scratch performance. That's what we always want. I'm still waiting for like see more flexible glass stuff. I mean, this is nice, but there's still no such thing as an indestructible iPhone or phone period. Because depending on how you drop it, what angle you drop it, it still gets damaged. I mean, I I have I got the iPhone SE, and I've barely carried it around with me, and it already has like two deep scratches on it. I'm like, oh great, thanks. That sucks. So Corning told The Verge that at least one smartphone manufacturer found Victus, this new line of Corning glass, to be so much better than Gorilla Glass Six that it's put a thinner layer of the new glass on its devices instead of maximizing durability, like they believe that this glass is that good. It's thinner. But there's no word on which manufacturer this was. So we'll see. We know that um, Samsung will most likely be the first manufacturer to introduce a product with Victus glass in the coming months. If there had to be one, I'm guessing it's Samsung. 
It kind of rhymes. Also, just like a quick heads up for those of you who you've heard me criticize the Apple TV remote a lot, and it's okay, but it's not the best. So there's a new solution out there. It's been actually available in Europe for a while. It was called the Salt Remote. Well, new company, um, and I'm trying to reach out to them, Function, basically, I guess they licensed the remote from Europe and can now sell it in the States. But what makes this remote unique, it is a fully functional button remote. It has physical buttons to navigate. You don't have to swipe around and be missing and overswiping icons or overswiping letters and passwords. It's called the button remote for Apple TV. It looks like it's going to be shipping in about a couple weeks. I'm going to try and get my hands on it. So, uh, because I'm really, I'm just as curious. I've been see, eyeballing this thing from Europe, but on eBay they would sell for eighty bucks. I'm like, I'm not going to buy an eighty buck remote. But right now it's twenty nine ninety five. So we'll see what it works with, um, how good it is. But it is a third party remote that instantly works with your Apple TV. Kind of crazy. And then sticking with the Apple TV stuff or just content in general, Plex, you know Plex. The streaming media platform launches their free live TV feature that offers 80 plus channels. That's pretty crazy. No cost, no hardware required. So this is a live TV option built into their app. You got stuff like Reuters TV, Yahoo Finance, Children's Shows, and others. I haven't checked it out yet, but if it's free, especially during pandemic time where we're all home, you're going to definitely want to check it out. Um, it'll provide over-the-air free access to local channels as well. Networks like NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, CW, and PBS. So this live TV option is different from its already available over-the-air TV and DVR feature. But this, So that stuff was still kind of separate and will be, uh, continue to be available. Really cool. Check it out. Plex TV, worthwhile. Okay. Let's get into the calls here. You know, we got to do the phone calls. You all mean so much to me. It adds the flavor. Remember, all you got to do is record a voice memo. Send it into applebitsshow at gmail.com. So let's start things off with my buddy TJ. He wants to give us a, or maybe talk about the whole Apple lawsuit redemption serial number thingamajigger. You'll, you'll see what I mean. Hey, Brian, TJ here. Just calling in to get an update about the Battergate slash class action lawsuit that's going on with the older iPhones. Now, typically, I keep my iPhone boxes for whatever reason and just stack them on top of each other at home. Um, I did sell my iPhone 6 um, recently, but I still have my iPhone 7 box. And I typed in the serial number on the website you provided. However, it did not uh, register. And then, like you, I went down below and typed in my information into the system and it didn't show up. But I also didn't receive an email or notification about this class action lawsuit. So does not everybody apply to this lawsuit? Or what's the deal? Is there an update on this? Um, Love the show. Thanks. Peace. All right, so TJ, here's the real tricky thing. And I don't know if you saw it on the site. Even if you have the serial number, they actually require you to have the specific address that you lived at during that time with that phone. And that's not always easy to, like I even tried plugging in some of my older addresses and it didn't work. And I was like, oh crap, like this is frustrating. So that might be one of the things, like if you moved, it's not like we all, most of us probably moved around um, at least if you live in apartments and things like that, like that that can be kind of tricky. So try and figure out all the addresses you lived at and punch it in with that serial number. And again, 
I pray for you all. I pray for I pray for myself. I, I still haven't seen a single dime, and none of my serial numbers, even I haven't been able to track them all down, um, have worked. So that's why it's going to be tricky. So we will see how that plays out. Andrew from Florida calls in. He has two things he wants to talk about. This is a longer call, but I think it's worthwhile. Hey, Brian, this is Andrew from Florida calling. Um, I just wanted to give a quick review of the uh, Logitech Folio Touch for the 11-inch iPad Pro. I have to say that I was really excited when I learned last week that Logitech was doing this because this is something I wanted from them ever since Apple announced the Magic Keyboard for the iPad Pro, but I didn't think that one was for me. So I, I like it so far. The only issue I'm having is the fact that sometimes the touchpad just doesn't click. Like I have to click in order to click something. I have to click, click it twice. And that's actually really annoying, but hopefully Logitech will be able to fix that with a software update, or maybe it's just me or doing something wrong or my unit, something like that. Also, the other thing I wanted to say was if you're looking for your serial numbers for old iPhones for that settlement, what I highly recommend you do is look through your email to see if you saved any receipts from when you bought an iPhone from an Apple store because those receipts will have the serial numbers on them and help me out a lot because I don't have the boxes anymore. And then the other thing is for one of the phones that I bought, I bought an AT&T store which does not have a serial number on it. But when I went to trade that iPhone in for a new one, the trade-in has the serial number on it for that iPhone. So just a quick tip for anyone who's looking for serial numbers so they can get the settlement money. I love the work you do, Brian. Thanks. Thanks, Andrew. And yes, um, it's not easy. Also, just to remind people who may not have caught it before, the website to go to to get your claim to be part of this 500, like, was it billion or million? Whatever, the the big settlement. The website to go to to, to file your claim online is smartphoneperformancesettlement.com. This is not an ad but it's a website, smartphoneperformancesettlement.com. I wish you all very well. All right, next up, Drew. He wants to know what to do. Brian, what's up? It's Drew from Indy. Hey, I'm kind of in a dilemma. Maybe you can help me out. Um, I have an iPhone 7, and I'm trying to debate whether I want to get the 12 or just go for an 11 Pro Max. Um... I've heard rumors that the 12 doesn't have the 120 ProMotion. Um, it's not going to have a USB-C. Um, it just feels like it's getting watered down the sooner we get to the launch date. So um, what do you think? Um, should I hold off until the 12? Is the 11 Pro Max um, worth it? Is it going to be that big a difference with the chips inside? Um, need some opinions. Um, my phone's dying quicker than normal, so um, I'm in that time frame for a new phone but with a 12 coming out soon i want to hold off but um if i'm going to save some money for the 11 pro max i might as well just go for there um love what you do man talk to you later peace okay drew so what if i gave you this really deep answer i don't know yet and the only reason i say that is because until we actually know what the iphone 12 has i can't although we have speculation and rumor of what it might be and yeah, it doesn't look as impressive as we thought, but it might be. For example, the iPhone 11 Pro surprised almost everyone because it had killer battery life and the camera was damn good. So we didn't, we weren't expecting much from the 11 Pro and it honestly became one of my favorite iPhones of 
when you look at the entire family, you know, I obviously I think of the very first iPhone. I think of the, I guess I would lean towards the iPhone 4 design, 4S, after Antenna Gate was kind of resolved. And then the iPhone 10 was a cool design, but it wasn't really necessary. The iPhone 11 Pro is probably, yeah, one of my top three iPhone designs of all time, just because of everything it did. When I say design, I mean design and function. So we have to wait it out. And also the other thing, if, you're, if your phone is about to die, well, look, you might just be forced to get one no matter what before you want to. But if you wait for them to announce the 12, well, right away that day, you know what you want to get. You might even consider getting 11 Pro and the price will have dropped right after that. So not only are you getting a better deal now, or sorry, you'll get a better deal then if you just wait out for the announcement. I always say when you're within that two to three month range, wait out the announcements and then make the best decision because quite honestly, most of us don't really, really need it unless our phone or devices catastrophically just just die on it. So be patient, grasshopper. All right, next up, Rob has some things he wants to talk about. Hey, Brian. I thought I would take a moment and let everyone know the iOS 14 features I would like to see. All right, I've got four. The first one is Siri Improvements. She's been so bad for so long. Number two, when I download an app from the App Store, I'd like to be able to pick the place for it to live. Right now, it downloads on its own page, and then you have to go and move it to wherever you want it to be. Number three, how about the ability to easily export iMessage text conversations? Right now, in order to do this, you have to buy a third-party product like iMazing. And number four, allow us to exclude certain apps from being updated. An example would be the Photos app. This app has changed so many times over the years. I'm still scratching my head trying to figure out what was wrong with it to begin with. If a person is happy with the photo or any other app, they should be able to somehow say, I don't want this app to change. All right, that's all I have today. Thanks so much, Brian, and keep up the good work. Goodbye. I think uh, all your points are valid, and I think they should all happen in some way, shape, or form. Um, I do like the idea that we should be able to get more access to our data, and it would just be easy for Apple to just let us download our iMessages and stuff like that, just to have certain records and things like that, and then be able to search for them. Because there's a lot of times where I actually have to delete my iMessages because I put too many, um, like, you know, you send photos and videos back and forth with your family and friends. And yeah, so I think I think all those points are well taken. And maybe if someone from Apple is listening, they'll incorporate one in the next two to three years. <laughs> All right, finally Trevor, he's been a he's been thinking a lot lately. Hey Brian, Trevor from Arizona. Hey, this is my fan wish. A Mac Mini with Apple Silicon, but not like a Mac Mini we've seen before. It's going to be like this. Tim Cook's going to be at the end of the keynote. He's going to come out. It's going to be just he's going to pay homage to Steve Jobs. It's going to zoom in on his pocket. And it's going to be like, I got one more thing. He pulls out the Mac Mini out of his pocket. It's the size of an iPhone SE, right? People go crazy. I mean, because all you need, doesn't need a fan or anything, just needs a couple of ports on the side. And then they can dongle it up, you know? So then, he goes, it's the same price as an iPhone SE. Boom! People go crazy. That would be an awesome thing. We'll see if it happens. I think they will do a Mac Mini, but I hope they do 
definitely flex because Apple's good at flexing. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like Trevor, you might have had like one of those dreams, and then because the way that you told it, retold it, it was so like visually like real like it was like as if we were at the keynote i feel like you really really thought about that and i really think thank you for sharing that that dream with us i look it could happen i mean the apple silicon movement is going to change drastically change the type of products that we see from apple moving forward so if you want to talk about a mac mini mini is that what we're going to call it the mac mini mini or the mini Mac Mini? No, it would be I Mac Mini Mini. Then, then we're then we're then we're talking about how they're really utilizing that chip and and big things happening or or small things, I guess. Yeah, small things. All right, everybody, that's gonna do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for calling and being a part of it again. Applebitshow at gmail.com. Thank you also to our Platinum Apple supporters from Patreon at the one hundred dollar level: Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater. Jarrett Lewis and Eric Cohen. You know this is independent. It's always been independent and I'm so thankful you guys and gals have allowed me to continue to do this and I'm going to keep on bringing it. And um there I've kind of teased that there's stuff in the works on my video side and just hold tight. It's still coming by the end of this year. It's just sometimes you got to get these things in place and it just takes time, but I'm still hustling for you all. Um enjoying the journey and uh, continue to keep on doing it. All right, so that's going to do for this week's show, everybody. Take care. Be safe. We'll be here. Same bat time, same bat channel. I know the show was uh, uh, like a day and a half later because there's just a lot going on over here. So that's it for the Apple Bits XL, baby. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.